Welcome to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you haven't joined us before, we're passionate about all things internal medicine and helping you become the best tech you can be. We'll be discussing interesting internal medicine diseases, how to work closely with pet parents, and how to become the go-to tech in your practice. Now, let's start the show. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. We are your hosts. I am Jordan Porter, and I'm joined by the wonderful, amazing, beautiful Yvonne Brandenburg. Dude, Hi. we we are <laughs> we're not doing letters anymore, so it's not fair to do that. <laughs> you don't need a letter to compliment. All you. right, all right. I'll I'll sort of dig it. I'll take it under protest. <laughs> dang it. I was gonna say chili, just because you are like all bundled up in a hoodie right now. I know, dude. I do. I do. I'm not gonna complain too much because I do really appreciate that the San Francisco Bay Area fog rolls in at night and cools things off. So, you know, it was like a hundred degrees yesterday afternoon and this morning, currently it is 57 degrees outside. So I do appreciate that it cools off at night because I hate when it's hot at night, but it does mean that I have to wear my little cat hoodie (laughs) this morning. It's currently 82 this morning. Wow. With 72% humidity. Yeah. I don't even know how to know my humidity. Like I I don't have anything for that. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. I just have a thermometer. We don't have, we don't talk in humidity here in California. No. Unless it's bad. Unless it's like, there's a huge amount of humidity and then we're all dying. And it's probably like 40%. I don't even know what normal is for you. I think, I feel like normal is like 70%. Normal is 70%. Oh, I don't, I, I have no idea what it is here. No idea. I, I can't, it's like a foreign language to me talking about humidity. That's how California uh, yeah. I am. <laughs> I mean, like I did, I did really well when we were in Phoenix. I feel like we've definitely talked about this before. I did oh, really yeah, well yeah. in Phoenix despite the the dry heat, but despite like, it being about, 117 like, degrees that time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I actually love that. I was walking around the city like the whole week I was there. Um, <sighs> but like something about being, I, I was joking around that I must have gills or something because once I got back to South Carolina, I was like, oh my God, I can finally like really breathe again. And because like, the moisture was great. Anyway, That's we really talk about weather a lot. Um, well, because <laughs> it's the one thing we can talk about. Some people do still like listening to us and we got a new review. <laughs> so I know this is a really cool review actually. Yeah. Um, I'm actually super excited about this. So we got a review from Nicole and the toddler tech. I love that. <laughs> Which I love um, that. <laughs> she said, great, great podcast. I have binge, I've been binge listening to this podcast for the last month as I prep to take the VTini in five weeks. <sighs> it's been a great way to study while driving and I'm getting ready and getting ready in the morning. It prepares me for my day and I've been able to share so many tips and tricks with my coworkers. I'm on episode 33 and excited for the rest. I mean, like, I, whoa, congrats and good I luck know. on your VTini. <sighs> I remember taking Mind you, she's only on episode she's only on episode 33. So by the time she hears this, because this is episode <laughs> what, 88. 88 yeah. <laughs> Hi, Nicole Ann Toddler Tech. It'll be really cool in like a couple of years when we say Nicole Ann the toddler tech and she's no longer gonna be a toddler tech. Well, even when she listens to this episode, she's just gonna she's gonna be 
at the she's like the adult she's the adult <laughs> stage She'll she's be like a teenager a tech. Tech. <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah she's a yeah she's a preteen tech maybe uh i guess oh it depends God. on how much she binge listens to us <laughs> right <laughs> well but hopefully uh, by the time you hear this you passed your vtne i know i'm sure I, you did because the vtne is what uh july and august this year i can't remember the window it's a weird window this year um i do remember that oh, i don't some have of my, a, i don't have a clue yeah some of my coworkers are are doing the vt and e this year and it and it like the windows were weird because of the whole covid thing so that stuff got shifted um so i but i think it was like july and august is the the window i think for it, the, for the i think summer. it depends on your area because i think well i know when i took the vt and e they only offered it twice a year and like it was for one day, like twice a year. And you could either oh, go yeah, in it's Jan- not like January or July. Yeah, I know. I was like, now they offer it like. Well, because now they, they do it computerized. I know. I had a stupid little scantron. All <laughs> the bubbles, and I had to wait six to 12 weeks or whatever for my results. And now people are like learning before you even finish the test. And I'm like, what? I know. Well, and I, because I took the VTNE. I think we've talked about this. I took it like, I don't know, eight or 10 years into being a technician, which is really yeah. funny. Um, and by the time I took the VT&E, um, it was already on computer. Um, but when I, when I took my California state exam, like right after I graduated, I remember the people that were taking the VT&E because it wasn't required then. It was just like, if you wanted to, you could, they actually yeah, had to do the Scantron. Yeah. So they had to do the Scantron back then. Um, and I was like, nope. <laughs> so I got lucky and I got to do it on computer and find yeah, out no. instantaneously if I passed or not, which was great. Nope. I had to travel <laughs> two hours. I had to sit in this room with like, I don't know, there's probably only like eight other people in there. Mm. Um, and then I had to do my little scantron and it was like in the basement of some like building. And I was like, <laughs> okay. You're like, this isn't creepy at all. Yeah. And it was <sighs> just like, uh, yeah, it brought back memories that I, oh, I don't want to go back there. And as I took my VTS, which was also Scantron. Yeah. Uh, and, and now it's computerized. Mm-hmm. Rub it in. <laughs> I mean, I took, I, took it, I took it Scantron as well. So <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, anyway, this week we are still not yet race approved, but again, still working on it, but you can still use it to self-study. Um, but go to the internal medicine for vet techs membership site. Oh, that's what we should say too is man. We've had our membership site up for a year now. Yeah. We just celebrated with our founding members. So our, um, for lack of a better word, our Guinea pigs, <laughs> cause they, right. they helped us. They helped us last year, look at some of the stuff that we had put together and really gave us great feedback so that we were able, able to open it like all the way in September. So technically like the membership being 100% open was in September, but we really did launch it um, the first couple of weeks of July to founding members. And we got to meet with them yesterday and it was so much fun to meet with some of them. And um, we just kind of hung out and talked and chit chatted. And um, yeah, it was, it was fun. Jordan put together a trivia for everyone. That was hilarious. I I had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. I think, I feel like we should do that again at some point. So, um, but we yes, should. uh, in our membership, it is, it is a year old, which is mind blowing again, this is during COVID. So it feels like way longer as well as 
only a month ago. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think we, we discussed this last night where we're like, we had so many more plans that we just, <laughs> well, and I think that, you know, we did, we had huge plans, but it was like, just the burnout hit us both so hard in the last year that we had to pull back and really <laughs> kind of go on survival mode a little bit, which, you know, so I thankfully... talked to my husband about it all the time. I'm like, I had to, I basically had to turtle it up and like yeah. go back in my shell. And then I had to like, just relearn how to do things for myself. Yeah. And I, and it's funny because we talked about difficult. it is that we, even despite how insane everything was and how crappy we were feeling we still did the podcast and it was you know yes it's it's work to do the podcast but it's fun it's fun work and I get to talk to you every week and I love having that so so there right it's a nice like stability thing for sure yeah sometimes it was a little stressful but you know still good for sure for sure because there's definitely those weeks where you just don't feel like doing it but it was it was kind of nice to keep that routine up because like now when I'm struggling so hard to get back in my routine even though like I want to real bad I'm like at least at least this routine is maintained consistently yeah getting in a routine I'm struggling hardcore with that right now like it's yeah I feel like I take a couple of steps forward and then I get hit back again and I'm like oh yeah yeah definitely (laughs) um for everybody who also cares about yeah well yeah (laughs) cares about things in my life too um I got a new whiteboard in my office and I'm super excited about it because it's officially now called the get your shit together board I love that you called it that so awesome (laughs) yeah so at the top of it it just says get your shit together and then so I have my like checklist of things I need to do Bailey came in my office this morning and she's like so is that like your to-do list and I was like Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and then one of one of my things on there says, remember, dot dot dot, you're in school. Because and she's like, Well, why does it say that? And I was like, Because, because I haven't touched school since February. And so that's why. I have a reminder on my little Google thing in my house that literally every night says, Time for school. And I just stare at it. And just go, yeah, that's not happening today because I also have not done anything with school, um, in a really long time. Um, yeah, like, yes, the plan is to still do it, but I, I gotta, I gotta get my brain back up to like normal usage. You gotta get your shit together, Yvonne. (laughs) I do have to get my shit together. And I think, I don't know if we talked about this, but um and you guys you guys out there probably understand this like this last year we went into survival mode and we did the bare minimum of things to just get through everything right and I feel like I start because when I started doing all the stuff for the v uh VSPN course that I did um it was almost like my brain wasn't used to doing that kind of work anymore and so it was it felt harder than it did before. And it's, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like exercising, right? You know, you, you're used to exercising and then you don't go to the gym and then you go back to the gym and you're like, I'm just going to do what I did when I stopped going to the gym. And you can't, you can't do that. Like you have to work your way up to it. And I think I need to be kind to myself (laughs) and remember I have to work up to being able to work 
that quote unquote hard again, you know? And I think that's something that we all have to remember is to be compassionate with ourselves and just be like, give ourselves a little bit of a break and not be so type A (laughs) overachieving personality. (laughs) Right now I'm definitely trying very hard to figure out like my place in the world again. Right. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. Like, do I want to still be a technician on the floor? Like, do I still, mm-hmm. like, do I want to move up? Do I want to do this full-time? And well, of course I want to do this full-time and stuff, but <laughs> right. um, I just like, I'm trying to figure out who I am again. Cause I feel like I've definitely changed in the past year. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm totally um, there with you on that. And so like imposter syndrome was freaking insane. Um, and it still is like, it's just <sighs> like, I, I think I need to just redetermine the description about me. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I'm very confused as to who I am right now. (laughs) Yeah. And what my goals are. Like, I mean, like I know what my goals are, but I just. I think you're definitely not alone in that. I think there's Mm -hmm. so many technicians that are a hundred percent feeling that way because I see it in some of the posts where people are like, I don't want to be a tech anymore. Like I'm leaving the field. And it's, it's really sad that the craziness that has happened has affected so many people in that way, which is really I sad. I used to want to be a tech, obviously like right? I'm good at it, but it's, it's kind of like, I've gotten to the point where like, I've proven it to myself that like, I can do it. I've mastered it, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like, I've proven it. So now I'm back on the what's next board. And right. Because even like with the podcast, like we're so consistent about it and we get such great reviews and now it's kind of like, okay, well, what's next? And so we have our membership site and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Like I got to get better at that, but it's like, mm-hmm. what do I want to do in order to actually like help this profession? Because that's what I want to do is just help mm-hmm. this profession as a whole. I don't want to be just a technician. Um, Aww, I'm going to take a note from Tabitha. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but her podcast is called not just a technician, not just yeah. a vet tech. So you're not just a vet tech though. No, I know. I even said it in my own lecture. <laughs> I was like, we got to get rid of that saying. And, um, and, and there's, I want to be a vet tech for the actual like veterinary technician community and not just for mm. pets, you know? Yeah. And I think, cause I think that was originally when we started like this podcast and the membership yeah. and everything. So it's, yeah, it's getting back to, all right, <laughs> we're past survival mode again. You know, we talked about it a little bit in our series where it's like the hierarchy of needs, like we're past survival. We've got some of the basics again. Now we're able to move back to a little bit of where we were before, which is, you know, yeah, helping, helping ourselves, helping our community, helping this profession, because if anything, (laughs) this last year has shown us how much more growth our industry needs yeah. to support technicians and veterinarians and, and our client service representatives and our kennel assistants. Like there's so much room for growth. And I think if anything, you know, that comes out of this crazy situation is more people figure out ways to improve, mm-hmm. you know, everything. I think that's going to be a, a great thing that can potentially come from this. So yeah, for sure. And I, I just, I think I want to be on the forefront of like making those changes. Yeah. Yeah. And we're fortunate. Why I think I want to take a step back in my actual like day-to-day job. Like I don't, yeah. 
it's like, I love my job. I love my boss. I love my coworkers. But at the same time too, I've mastered my skills at work. My coworkers are fantastic and they are amazing texts. Like they don't, they don't need me like they used to. Yeah. You know, it's because it's like, they're getting to be just as good as I am, which is fantastic. That's my goal. And so now I strongly feel like I can take a step back, but I think like my doctor though, too, is heavily dependent on me and he sees that my team is great, but, um, you know, he's an internist. He has, he likes his, (laughs) he likes his ways the way they are. And it's just like, (laughs) yes. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I like being needed, but at the same time, my, I want my team to be needed as much as I am, Mm -hmm. which they did fantastic without me this week. Like they really don't need me. And so it's like, oh, I, I have other plans that don't involve me at my work, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I don't know what those plans are yet. I just know that like, I I just need a change, but I don't want to leave my work. Yeah. It's so funny. Cause I'm definitely in the same place. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just, it's such a catch 22. Cause it's like, I don't want to disappoint anybody either, mm. but mm-hmm. it's like, there's so many times too, where I'm at work where I'm like, I'll purposefully like take a step back. I'm like, no, you can do it. But then I like get that feeling of like, well, shoot, now I'm that person who's sitting around doing nothing because I'm making my team step up and do it. Oh God. You, right. I That's can anxiety. at no point ever in your working career, have you been sitting there doing nothing? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, let's be real. There's never a point where Jordan Porter at any point in time is just sitting back, chilling, doing nothing. Yeah. So take that out of, out of your context of yourself. Goofball. Yeah. yeah well, welcome to my brain. I know. Um, and I'm here to, to be like, you, you, you can, don't give yourself enough credit. I do not, um, for sure. <laughs> and I'm working on it. I'm getting there. We'll see. We're all, but... we're all getting there. We're all, we're all works in progress guys. Right. No <laughs> joke. <clears throat> anyway, we got deep on that intro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it happens <laughs> with us. No, um, so anyway, let's dive into this week's episode because I did have fun doing these show notes, but I say that a lot, but this week, so we're starting our new series of infectious diseases. <sighs> yeah. Yes. People asked for this and we were like, all right, here we go. Whole series on infectious diseases. <laughs> um, yeah, I, and we were starting off with like my favorite infectious disease too. Weird I don't enough. know. I know it's just because it's good. Like nursing care, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this week we're going to be talking about leptospirosis. So it is a bacterial disease that can actually affect humans and domestic animals. It, I don't like that saying of like where it can affect humans and domestic animals, but what I mean by it can affect is those like humans and domestic animals are the ones who typically show signs of illness from the disease. Mm. So because leptospirosis has been demonstrated in like wildlife species, such as rodents, white-tailed deer, raccoon, foxes, skunks, California sea lions, which I was like, damn, Mm I want to go pet a sea lion. And (laughs) I know it could eat me, but now I'm like, oh, might have lepto. (laughs) Yeah. Which is kind of interesting because they, they can have it, but they don't have the yeah. They don't get sick from it. Like All they the don't have the illness of it. Ta- we're going to talk about in a million in a minute. So yeah. Yep. Which is crazy. Which is why I said like, so lepto can affect humans and domestic animals, but it doesn't typically affect these wildlife species. Um, crazy. 
Also, I'm going to talk about a little bit more too, but cats are little freaks with this too. Um, <laughs> so there are more than 250 pathogenic serovars that have been identified, um, many of which are like specific just to different regions in the world. So they- Insane. Yeah. Because again, right? it's a bacteria. So um, the leptospira species, 250 of them. Yeah. Can you believe it? And like, so it's like whatever lepto you might pick up here in South Carolina might be different than what Yvonne might see in California and what someone might see in, I'm trying to think of another Canada or, or Australia like, or all the, and Great Britain. Yeah. Cause that's where you guys are listening. So there. <laughs> oh, look at you. Look at you knowing our demographic. So, well, I try to, cause I talk to people. I'm like, where are you from? <laughs> well, yes, that's true. But you also like those charts that they give us for a podcast. <laughs> so. I mean, that might be really, really true. And I look and see what other countries people are listening to us. In. It's true. Yeah. No judgment. Anyway, I'd like to hear about the different types of lepto. Cause I did not investigate that too much further. Cause I was like, dude, 250. Um, so anyway, do you know in your not rabbit hole investigation? Cause I hope you didn't rabbit hole it. Thank you for uh, trying to respect my OCD yeah. healthiness. Um, did you see, did you see any, did it like say anything really quickly about, since there are so many different ones, but what um, like the most common is, well that, and like, cause it's bacteria, right? Like, so is one like more potent as mm-hmm. far as like what symptoms they are or are they nope. are pretty much similar it's all it sounds like it's all pretty well similar and mm. the potency per se is really dependent on the patient like and the dose of how many bacteria are present probably exactly in their immune yeah. system like lepto could very well take me out and you'd be fine um <laughs> <sighs> <laughs> so fun facts about some of these leptobacteria bacteriae bacteria bacteria i don't know bacterium yeah Mm. so they can survive in the environment for up to three months with favorable favorable conditions well i think it's probably what is a favorable condition right so yeah exactly so it's mainly like high moisture like alkaline soil or stagnant slow moving freshwater bodies of water Mm -hmm. um obviously it's not going to be like a salt water thing because salt water is not basic it's not exactly. And it's you use saline to like clean wounds and bacteria out. So it's like, <laughs> um, so lepto outbreaks can occur under favorable, favorable conditions where like places might flood or have monsoons. Um, so we'll typically see a spike here around like hurricane season. Um, mm-hmm. especially like, like with like a lot of fallen trees and where the ground just stays damp forever. Um, and then also in like temperate regions, like outbreaks are more common in the summer and the fall. So same thing, hurricane season is in the summer, fall. Uh, it's actually from like now till October, I think, or November. Um, Interesting. Cause I'm trying to think of like, when we see it here, it's usually winter and spring. Oh, really? Well, I mean, I'm in California. We're really dry. <laughs> That's so, true. Um, so I feel like it's usually winter and spring when we actually have some rain um, that we start seeing spikes of it. Yeah, that makes sense. And then like in the tropics, so outbreaks are more common following like rainy seasons, which, um, 
makes sense. Like it's just leptobacteria mm-hmm. likes moisture mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. a lot. Mm-hmm. Which is why it likes being in bodies. Yeah. It's like just one of those wonderful damp environment. <laughs> so there's like a type of transmission. And so animals and humans <clears throat> can be infected by either direct or indirect transmission. So indirect infection though, does tend to be more common than direct transmission. Direct mm-hmm. transmission can occur with like direct contact of infected urine or blood, um, ingestion of infected tissues, like eating roadkill pua, <coughs> pua bad dog, <laughs> um, venereal or placental transmission. So Shut up. yeah, right. It likes some mucous Whoa. membranes. Hint, hint, we'll talk about it a little bit more. <laughs> um, and then bite wounds too, which kind of blew my mind. Cause I, I don't think when I think of lepto, I don't think of like bite wounds but then this was where I went down the rabbit hole of like cats getting infected with it because I'm <sighs> like interesting I, yeah I just, just I I really I'm kind of giggling in my head again like a nine-year-old boy like it can be a VD <laughs> exactly it definitely can be <laughs> sorry I'm like he, he could you imagine like my dog got lepto from getting out and being mated with <sighs> some stray i mean yeah you anyway indirect transmission like i said is most common and that typically occurs from exposure to water soil food um or fomites contaminated by infected urine so i don't so when i was a kid and i don't know if this is true but i don't did you did you ever get told that you should technically like wipe the top of your soda cans like before you drink yes them. because rats pee on them yes and that's how you get lepto that's one of the ways you could get lepto what another reason not to drink soda guys <laughs> yeah that you was, can get um... your lepto from your soda <laughs> yeah i ew. the tops of soda cans freak there me was out like an outbreak. so disgusting that was a couple years ago too like recently and I think it must have been in this area because I remember seeing it on the news where people were being exposed to leptospirosis by soda cans or beer cans see okay yeah no if I if I let myself go down the train tracks of this I could totally be a germaphobe or we just looked it up mysophobia which is m-y-s-o P-H-O-B-I-A. So I could totally do that because sometimes I get totally squidged out by the bacteria thought. Like I, I mm-hmm. like I, it's part of the reason, part of the reason why I hate doing dishes in the sink because it grosses me out. Um, I wear gloves when I clean my house. <laughs> like I, like I do have a little bit of an irrational fear of germs now that I'm saying this out loud. Um, but sometimes I just avoid it to like not freak yeah. myself out because otherwise I, I will lose my mind. <laughs> I, think, I feel like I know I've, that the bacteria and cooties are out there. So I just need to learn to live with it. I feel but, like I've transferred my fear of bacteria to counting with my OCD. Like, so when mm, I wash my hands, mm. I will do like, I'll rub my fingers together a specific way. Like, you know how many of those videos I watched during COVID of how to properly wash your hands? <laughs> no. <laughs> Yes. So yeah, the rabbit holes are deep (sighs) for me. Like it's just, so I'm sorry for anybody else who also gets squidged out by soda tops. (laughs) 
<laughs> yes. Anyway, moving on though. So this is why it's bad is because, and this is why I said too, it likes <sighs> mucous membranes, hint, hint. So the bacteria enters the bloodstream through mucous membranes or through like abraded or water softened skin. So we're going to talk about this a little bit more when we discuss history <gasps> questions, but I like to go very thorough in like, does your dog swim in ponds or lakes? Because like, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. But also too, here's where I'm thinking when a dog is swimming in a lake or a pond, it's like, yes, the water softens skin and it can travel through that way. But I'm like, also there are dogs, op- they're yeah, open you're... mouths. They're licking exactly. their feet. They're like, they're... oh, water on me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like biting it. <laughs> you, you heard it the first time. Um, I wish you like guys could have seen it. It was amazing. I'm very animated this morning. Um, <laughs> it's because we were talking about my OCD, so now I'm all like hyped up again. Oh God, um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, but the bacteria can actually spread very rapidly throughout the body. So oh, typically. Yeah. What it does though, it, it targets usually the kidneys and the liver are going to be like our two main sites where we're going to see this, um, can target the spleen, the central nervous system, eyes and genital tract, like we said, venereal disease. Mm. Um, and typically the phase of like spreading lasts about seven to 10 days. It's called a leptospiremic phase. And this is where the lepto bacteria is multiplying. Exactly. It's just, it's just like, like having a heyday. <laughs> yeah. It's like when you invite those people over for a party and then they invite their friends and then those people also invite their friends. And then all of a sudden mm. it's a rave and you're like, what the hell? This is not what I intended. And then you bail. They just took over the house. Yeah. They're the white like blood ruining are like, everything. <laughs> the white blood cells are like, what the hell guys? Like this they're is the parents and, that were and they like just bail. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love mm-hmm. our analogies. It really has to make things a lot easier. <laughs> um, anyway, so once bacteria is shed though into the environment, so this is where it was kind of contradictory. So because one source said that it could survive up to three months, but then there's another source, which also, I mean, I guess it's pretty vague. It says it can survive for weeks, two months, um, usually in like contaminated water and moist, um, most of moist soils. Most well, moist and I think soils. it probably depends on like we were saying, you know, what, where is, what's the environment like, right? I so mean, in some places it could only be weeks because then it dries out like and there's other, yeah. And then there's other places where it's months because you have standing water underneath a tree that fell down, <laughs> which that blows exactly. my mind, Jordan, that you just said that. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Um, I mean, like I imagine for, I don't see lepto overly often, um but i feel like it probably gets missed maybe because yeah, i think people our don't soil is about like, it super it, frequently like if you look at my weather right now for the next 10 days it says 60 percent chance of rain every day and every day it will rain for probably 10 15 minutes and then it'll be fine well not only that but i think people forget that yes those are the ideal conditions in the environment But if you're talking like a dog or a cat, and let's just say they have an outbreak of mice or rats in their house for whatever reason, right? Um, And maybe it's just like, they have a ton of mats, mats and rice. This is what I, dude, I can't not say mats and rice. Rice. God dang it. <laughs> Rats and mice. I can't, it's, it's years that I've always done this. And, and my students know this. If you ever were in class with me, I did it every single time. Um, no, in, in like, if you, for some reason have an outbreak in your house, 
you know, then you may have an uptick of the potential of lepto, even though your environment, you may not have rain. So, you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, (laughs) you got to know the environment, you got to know the area really, I think, because like Finn caught a rat once outside and I was like, I mean, I guess thankfully it was outside, but I'm like, dude, now I got to like make sure that you, you don't die from lepto. Well, and sometimes like, I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't even know they're in my house. And then I'm like, find a poop. And I'm like, oh man, I have mice. We found like- one at work. Yeah. We found one at work. Um, luckily I have not found anything in my house, but it's, it's the area. It's like, yeah. especially if you go to Savannah, like in South Carolina, the, like the rat problem's not that bad, but like Savannah, mm. um, huge thing about how like downtown savannah is just like covered in rats um which i was like yeah i totally don't want to live there but okay like a giant Uh, colony (laughs) oh my god crazy yeah anyway okay Hmm. we gotta stop talking about rats let's move on so i mean they are one of the big carriers of the disease that's why we're talking about them because they multiply as fast as the bacteria does (laughs) probably (laughs) they'll survive us all it's fine yeah i think the biggest thing to remember in lepto and i know all of us know this because we're smart <laughs> but it is zoonotic <laughs> so we 100 can catch it from our patients yep um so this is one of those that you don't want to mess around with um but it is zoonotic and we'll talk about i think we're going to talk about pre- prevention right for us yeah, I, yes, I okay. made a comment about it knowing that I would go on a rampage about it. Okay, good. Just, Cause I was yes. like, that's a thing. Like that's an internal medicine, like rampage. <laughs> yes. Uh, that is one of my soapboxes. I'm telling you, we really got to do an episode. It's funny because I think it would be too because long. I'm probably <laughs> it's a soapbox because I'm notorious for being bad. Like mm. anyway, so history questions, how it might present. So dogs and humans can be affected um, and when I say affected, I mean like symptomatic, symptoms, get sick, yeah. not just infected. Mm. Um, it is definitely more common in working dogs, like hounds and herding breeds. There mm. are, there is new research out about cats having chronic lepto infections, but because they become infected, but they don't shed the virus or become ill, the virus, the bacteria, um, they don't become ill from it either, but this is where, so I got into an argument with my boss about this once because I was like, we had a renal failure cat and I was like, how come we never test cats for lepto? And he's like, they don't get lepto. I was like, I don't believe that they don't get lepto. I was like, I believe that we just treat them for chronic renal disease. And then we leave it at that. Mm. And we never test them for lepto. Well, that's like, they don't. So anyway, there's new studies being done right now about cats having chronic renal disease and it possibly being leptospirosis. Yeah, I think I saw that somewhere too. Uh, Is that ACVAM? I I was going to say, I make a note about it later. Yes. I (laughs) talk about it later. Okay. So moving on though, because I will go down a rabbit hole with that too, just because I argue with my doctor about it probably once a week. Um, (laughs) But I like to ask clients questions about their pet's environment. So do they go swimming in ponds or lakes? Do they drink from lakes or ponds or stagnant water on the road when they're walking down the street? Do you live on a wooded lot um, where you might have a lot of wildlife in and out of your backyard? Because in my area, that is a big common thing. A lot of times too, just because of my area, do you walk downtown a lot in downtown Savannah? Like, or, Mm. you know, have you ever come across like rats? Do you go camping a lot? Also vaccine status is pretty important. And I'm going to get to a little bit when we talk about testing. Mm. Um, But 
if they've ever been vaccinated for leptospirosis and how long ago, because how long ago is important. The other thing too, to ask is like, um, with cats, but also with dogs, like, are they hunters? Like, do they come in with birds and rodents every once in a while? And you're just like, ah, fluffy, you know, um, like I said, Finn caught a rat. Yeah. For us in our area, it's not so much like wooded or wildlife in the yard, but a lot of us have like open fields near us. Yeah, so like is- we'll have open fields, like mice and rats love that. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's, I think that's where it's environmental. important to just know your environment yeah. and know like where the potential risk could be. Yeah. Like in my environment, it's definitely different than Yvonne's where it's like mostly like wooded lots mm. with ponds on them or um, just like nice marshy areas because that's mm. just the entire area around here um yeah. I because I do have a lot of clients say well no they don't go swimming in ponds or lakes but we'll go to the beach and they go swimming there and I'm like okay well that's not a problem like I'm not worried about that right um younger dogs however are more susceptible to severe infection which kind of blows my mind because you think that they would have like the better immune system because they so probably just haven't been infected or uh exposed to it Exactly. So Mm. typical age range for like asymptomatic infection is four to seven. For asymptomatic or for symptomatic? symptomatic. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So because it is zoonotic though, most human infections tend to be asymptomatic or sometimes it can be similar to like mild flu-like symptoms. <laughs> However, those mild flu-like symptoms or asymptomaticness can progress to renal failure, liver dysfunction or failure, can progress to meningitis or respiratory failure. It can progress to coagulation problems, to bleeding, and then even death. Like you can, God, not to scare any of our listeners. I'm really sorry, but like <laughs> proper PPE, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's, it's hard because it's one of those things. It's, it's probably not a commonly tested for thing. Well, so, the so this problem is where is I get on like, the they get, thing. yeah, they get, they get sick, but then they're not tested for it. And then they get worse and worse and worse. And then by the time, like they figure out what it is, there's so much damage already done. That's how you end up dying from it. Not yeah. that, not that it's just like, oh, you got it and you're dead. It's, you know, not properly treating it because it's fairly easy to treat fairly because it's a bacteria, but again, it's catching it and knowing what you're looking for, which is why in internal medicine, we will test for it. We're like, Hmm, let's test for that just to be on the same side. Exactly. Exactly. And I'll talk about it too. Um, I'll talk about it later. I really like, I have a story (laughs) behind it. Um, but I guess you just got to be on your guard. Um, Mm -hmm. So anyway, clinical signs for our patients though, really depend on which tissues are going to be affected. Mm -hmm. Um, And then of course the extent of damage done to those tissues. So because the bacteria can persist in, so backing up a little bit. So some of our asymptomatic patients though, can still have bacteria that persists like in the renal tubules. This can also be in patients that have survived the infection. And so actually they can continue to shed um, this bacteria into the environment for months to years after infection, which I thought was a really cool fact that I was like, so this is those patients who get infected are sick from it, but yet somehow survive even maybe without treatment. Um, because Um, I'm going to talk about a little bit of like the long-term treatment therapy that we do recommend just so pets don't shed it a little bit later, but 
sometimes it's just treated like in the hospital and then pets go home, but they, right. Because they don't know, they don't know that that it's lepto, right? Oh, they have just like a kidney infection. It's an acute renal failure. Yeah. Or Mm -hmm. a polynephritis or something like that, uh, pyelonephritis or something like that. And so they treat that and then send them home because they get better. But then those patients can still potentially be shedding it into, into the environment. It's crazy. Crazy. (laughs) I'm talking super fast because I'm super passionate about this disease. <laughs> like, I know you're like, yes. And it's the morning time. So it is. And I had my giant cup of coffee already. Nice. It. nice. Good job. And some cinnamon rolls. Um, so, so our common caffeine and sugar high. Good job. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> like I haven't <laughs> taken my meds yet. Like, oh Lord. Okay. So like bring me Sorry, down a touch. <laughs> We should put a disclaimer on. Jordan wound up this Jordan day, this is morning. wound up on this one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, so funny. All right, so back to our clinical signs in our patients. So a lot of times it's going to be non-specific signs of infection, which is why it'll get missed as lepto. So it can be things like fever, lethargy, anorexia, vomiting, dehydration, muscle pain is pretty big. Um, but I just think of all those freaking FUOs fever of unknown words. Yeah. So we're like, well, you're really to have lepto. You're really trying to stir me up on the whole cat thing right now. <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I am just saying, <laughs> but apparently cats don't shed it. So I think that's where we reduce the mm. risk of contracting it. But again, there's research being done about that. Like I, I don't fully believe that cats don't shed it. Well, I mean, if they don't shed it, that doesn't mean that they don't still have it you know no exactly but it probably makes it harder to like test for because um one of the ways that we test for lepto is like the urine test yes like that's one of the ways and if they're not shedding it in their urine exactly then we may not even know exactly exactly (laughs) you're gonna get me i'm gonna get into it i just (laughs) trying to like this is the build up for it jordan just build we're building up to it you got this I know, I know. I mean, we basically touched on everything. I think cats get lepto. I think that that they do get sick from lepto. I think that they don't shed lepto, mm. but I think we miss it a lot. Anyway, interesting. So, classic presentation for these guys, though, tend to be like an acute inflammatory renal disease or a hepatic disease. Mm-hmm. Um, however, not as common, they can get like an acute lung injury. So, respiratory failure can happen. Uveitis, which I've seen patients for lepto strictly for uveitis. Like they saw the ophthalmologist first and then the ophthalmologist referred it to us. Hmm. Um, meningitis, severe vasculitis, coagulopathy, or even DIC, um, which we do test most of our coagulopathy. I think this, I think this series is going to make me freak out a little bit because bacteria can do, bacteria can do do whatever the hell it wants. Yeah. (laughs) I'm just like, Oh God. All you know how things. often like lepto is actually on our di- differential list just because like it's it's internal medicine it's either renal or liver disease or mm. it's coagulopathies or it's lung disease like you know mm. it's just like <laughs> like we should probably be testing for it more than we do yeah yeah mm. i don't I kinda, know <laughs> i kind of talked about our differential diagnosis but anything that can cause liver disease anything that can cause renal disease toxins or rat poison things that can cause like dic or coagulopathies 
And then of course, cancer is always on the differential list because cancer does whatever it wants to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Ready to dive into my PPE talk? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, because now I, my germophobia is flared and I just want to be in a bubble. I know. I see you like just curling just, into like, your squidgy. hoodie a little I'm bit more. I'm so squidgy right now. I'm just like, nope, hands in my pockets. <laughs> I'm just going to rock back and forth. It's fine. <laughs> Anybody <laughs> else who's feeling this way right now, I am with you in solidarity. <laughs> we probably have like two sides of the extreme. I'm like wholeheartedly invested in leptospirosis and you're like, all right, shut up. Like, let's I, finish dude, this out. I can't do like, it's the parasite thing. Like bacteria is a parasite to me and anything parasitic just, it freaks me out. Cause I'm like, what do I have? Like, that is just, that's all that I think of the entire time I'm talking about this stuff. I'm like, do I have it? Have Am you I going to get it for lepto? No, I haven't been tested for that. I've been tested for another infectious disease we're going to talk about in this series. So yes, I think that's next actually too. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to soapbox during that episode. You I feel like I've been during this one. <laughs> I think I've been tested for every infectious disease that we're going to talk about. Seriously. <laughs> right. You probably have rabies. Don't get it. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm just saying like with my cat bite stuff. Yeah. Um. Anyway. All right. So Anyway, we're going to talk about PPE, but because diagnostics are super important in these patients, your PPE is going to be even more important than your diagnostics because again, you gotta, it's zoonotic. You got to obtain your diagnostics very, very safely. So just please remember your PPE with these patients. And when I say with these patients, I mean, literally anything that comes in with potential lepto, which can be liver disease, renal disease, respiratory failure, coagulopathy, like put gloves on. Like yeah. it is definitely an easy disease to treat, um, cause it's a bacteria, but, um, especially like when handling urine specifically, I'm going to say wear PPE. And I say this strictly because I, I was really bad at it. And then I got exposed to lepto, but <laughs> which is, it's, I mean, it's kind of crazy because honestly, like I, I definitely wash my hands a lot at work. Yeah. Um, I don't wear gloves every single time. And part of that for me is like this whole, like, I don't want to ruin the environment with 5 million gloves. <laughs> so I'm just yes, like, I, get I will wash my hands, but I get the, the need for gloves. Like I get it, but I struggle with this one because it's, you know, in theory, yes, you should have gown and gloves between your patients because we don't know what they're going to have. And we don't want to spread between patients. Exactly. It's not realistic. So then it's like, it's, it's that whole like OSHA gold standard, but in reality, like how do we, how do you even, you can't, you can't manage that. But what I will say is if you have a patient and on the differential diagnostic list, lepto is on there, or you're sending out lepto testing. Like sometimes doctors don't put it on the differential, even though they sent out the test, it is up to us to, to handle those patients as if they have lepto Mm -hmm. until proven otherwise. Like that's actually, that's one of those things that if it's on the differential list, if we don't treat it, like it has it, and then God forbid it comes back positive. Well, that's, that's a, that's a, not just an OSHA nightmare, but that's a nightmare for the clinic because the, the possibility of something zoonotic existed, we didn't treat it appropriately. 
So now all these people potentially are, are exposed. And exactly. so, but realistically, I think we are doing a better job than what we think because so I will wear gloves. If anything comes in urine soaked, like if yeah. it's just soaked in urine because the way we're going to get exposed to lepto is likely going to be through the urine. It's not necessarily going to be through the, mm-hmm. the blood unless you poke yourself with a contaminated needle. Um, then I'll bet you're off, <laughs> but even, you can do that with a glove on too. And right. then you're still, you still got to go and get tested. So it's, you know, it's like anytime I'm handling urine in any renal failure or liver patient, I put, um, gloves on anything that comes in urine soaked or urine stain. I put gloves on. Um, luckily I'm allergic to cats. So I put gloves on anytime I hold a cat. Um, <laughs> So it's just, it's just things like that. And I don't get bit by dogs very often. And I'm also not rubbing their mucous membranes on my mucous membranes, like by kissing them on their mouths and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, But I think too, like the, when we're talking PPE for this specifically, like it's not just gloves, right? Like you should be wearing a gown. You should be handling the towels or anything like that very differently like you you have they to should be going infectious. in a separate laundry um yeah. your patient should be walked in a separate area because again we're going to be talking mostly dogs here right so you should right. be taking they should have a designated leash they should have designated laundry basket they should have designated trash bag they need to be walked in a designated area for potential lepto suspect and again that area needs to be known that that could be it because we know that in those areas, lepto can survive for months. Mm-hmm. So luckily though, it is easy to eradicate. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. So I guess, and then also too, because these patients are so susceptible to progression of disease, we just need to handle them gently. So we need to- I mean, hopefully we're handling our patients gently and yes. in general, but please- please be kind to our patients. If you haven't, I'm just going to plug this in right here and and, because I can soapbox on it. The fear-free idea is really good because I think, I think we do need to be gentler with our patients. Some of us are really good about it, but then there's others that are not so good. And, um, I think in IM, we specifically, it can be very easily overlooked uh, the chronically ill patient versus if you're used to handling healthy patients for vaccines and heartworm tests and like, you know, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. I feel like an IM, we, it can very easily get overlooked that these p- patients are susceptible to things like vasculitis. So we really need to be gentle when drawing blood, mm-hmm. um, you know, bevel up. Uh, there was a really cool video on Facebook I saw recently about the difference between inserting your needle bevel up and bevel down and like how much more it pulls on the skin if your bevel is not facing up. Hmm. Um, it was really, really cool. I want to find it and we should share it to the Facebook group. Cause I'm like, yeah, I mean, it's so easy to just grab a needle and poke. I am neurotic about having my bevel up just because I like things in certain directions when I do things. Um, and that was like the one thing, the very, very first thing I ever took away from vet tech school was bevel up. <laughs> like, I mean, there's, there's so many reasons for bevel up, <laughs> yes. but, and, and not only that, but I think if you've been in this industry long enough, you've either seen it or you've heard about it. The whole gentle patient handling, like scruffing cats. Mm. Yes. It's a soapbox, but it's a soapbox for multiple reasons. And the, the one I think of is I have literally seen the scruff of a cat in somebody's hand and the, the, scruff, the, cat? the cat was no longer attached to that scruff 
No, it wasn't cushionoid. It was, I think it was like a diabetic patient Mm. and it's skin just from getting poked. Like it had infection, but it shouldn't matter. Like I, you, you just, that's one of the reasons there are multiple other reasons for not scruffing cats, including just gentle handling in general. But I think, I mean, especially with our internal medicine patients, there's so many things that are happening that we want to be gentle with them. Um, and a lot of times we're seeing them multiple times. And so we need to make sure we decrease the stress as much as possible so that we can handle them when they do come in the next time. So I think, yeah, yeah. I will stop soapboxing on that one. You're right. Well, even though too, like a lot of our patients, including lepto patients are susceptible to bruising. They're susceptible to infection. So if you have someone who's poking this pet three times to get a blood draw, like these guys are susceptible to infection, not to mention you're putting yourself also a little bit more at risk too, Mm -hmm. Um, but pain Mm -hmm. discomfort too. Um, So proper PPE and just gentle patient handling are pretty important with, I mean, all patients, but specifically today, we're going to be talking about lepto patients. So we're going to run some lab work though. Our CBC is going to show like an inflammatory leukogram. This can be with a left shift. doesn't always have to be. Um, sometimes there's a thrombocytopenia with it. So low platelet count. Our chemistry, depending on the involvement, if it's renal involvement, can show azotemia and hyperphosphatemia. Um, if there's liver involvement, it's going to show elevated ALT and elevated ALP, as well as an elevated bilirubin. Um, also with our hepatic patients, hypoalbuminemia can be seen, um, and that can be seen with hepatic patients or with our vasculitis patients. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also to electrolytes, everything's going to be low on our electrolytes. So they're going to have hyponatremia, hypokalemia, hypochloremia. Um, and they're also going to see a metabolic acidosis too. Hmm. And then we do want to run a UA on these people because we want to rule out a pyelonephritis, um, our UA can show like a glucose urea. It can show protein urea. It can show granular cast because theoretically like the renal tubules are going to be shedding. Mm. Um, there's going to be isostenuria or even marked bilirubin urea, kind of depending on which involvement. I was going to say, where did the bacteria go? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It could be both, which would really suck. Um, I've seen both for sure. Yeah. Um, imaging is, uh, you can do it. So radiographs though, it's like, gonna... this is usually to rule out things. <laughs> exactly. Radiographs. Um, cause again, we've talked about how respiratory involvement can be there. So you're going to take a, uh, thoracic radiographs so they can be abnormal if there's lung injury involved or vasculitis because vessels everywhere are going to be a little pissed off. And we um, talked about the, um, we talked about lung injury, yeah. A couple episodes ago, a couple episodes ago. And this like is why, because ago? you're talking about inflammation and infection. And so you could potentially get, um, you know, the, the respiratory, uh, I think it was acute respiratory distress. You can get that from this. So that's another thing to be looking out for. If you have a patient like this in your hospital, yeah. like they could get acute respiratory syndrome. And so you just, you just need to be very careful of it. I think it's just important in all of these cases is that we know that how these diseases can progress. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, just because it might start out as an acute renal issue, it very well can progress to all sorts of other bodies, <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the bad. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we can do ultrasound too, and that can show enlarged liver, spleen, or kidneys, depending on the area affected. 
Um, we can also see free fluid just due to the low albumin levels and fluid around the kidneys can be seen if it's a renal infection too. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a little hyperechoic. And then our special tests. So the tests that we're really specifically looking for. First one's going to be serology. This can detect specific antibody. And typically what they use to do this test is MAT, which is microscopic agglutination test. Um, however, this mm -hmm. test um, can be, it can be a false positive if there's recent vaccination. And by recent, I, I mean like usually within three months of vaccination. Um, we don't typically do serology if they've ever had a vaccination. Yeah, we usually uh, don't if they've been vaccinated. Yeah. Uh, it can also give a false negative if it's early in the infection. So if they were exposed three days ago and you're testing. Um, the body hasn't created antibodies yet. So you're nope. not going to detect them. <laughs> exactly. And then also too, there can be cross reactions noted among the serovar, the serovars, which um, can lead to false positives as well. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Um, so PCR, that's going to be the one that you're really going to focus on. So PCR can be run on either serum or urine. However, urine is preferred. That's what we most, that's what we do 98% of the time. Yeah. Uh, um, this test is very sensitive and very specific for the presence of the organism. So it's going to be like, yep, this bacteria is in the body. Um, and it can be positive early in infection. So and it's really important that if you're going to do a PCR, you get it before you start antibiotics. Definitely. Because but once you start antibiotics, you're not going to get an accurate result. Exactly. Exactly. Because which it, is then PCR why you very do the serology. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Cause your PCR after antibiotics can very easily come back negative. Mm -hmm. Um, even though the infection's still in there, mm -hmm. um, you could do a bacterial culture. However, it's rarely used just due to like low sensitivity and false negatives. And then there's also something called a fluorescent antibody. I've never done this, but it can identify the organism like within fluid or tissues. So this sounds like a biopsy. It can just improve the sensitivity of histopaths. So if you're doing like a liver biopsy mm. or spleen biopsy, um, however, be sure to, it might seem like it shouldn't need to be said because like, if you're sending off lepto testing to a lab, like the lab should probably know that there's potential risk of exposure but clearly label the samples just to notify the lab of potential exposure, because I don't know how labs work. They might have one lab technician who just opens the samples and, and sets them out, but doesn't really pay attention to what the test is for. And like, then there's one other person setting up the actual test. I don't know how it works, but hmm. label it that it's potentially zoonotic. Yeah. Um, just to, you know, we, we want to keep everybody within the realm of veterinary <laughs> medicine safe. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. So treatment, hospitalization versus outpatient care. Um, outpatient care is going to very, be very, very, very brief. I'm just going to say one thing about it. <laughs> like, yeah. But hospitalization is usually, that's going to be our go-to. And it's going to be there to treat dehydration and the electrolyte imbalance that we talked about. We also want to go ahead and symptomatically treat our liver or renal dysfunction. Um, lepto is treated with antimicrobials just because it is a bacteria. And that's going to eliminate the infection of the bacteria um, within the body. These patients though, on their treatment sheets, on their cages, on anything that belongs to them should be clearly labeled as a zoonotic risk while hospitalized in the hospital. Um, I like to have designated staff for these patients, just in case if like, you know, you get peed on, you need to change your scrubs, like you shouldn't be handling any other patients for the day. Um, and then 
also to, I kind of already talked about it, but monitor for progression of disease, knowing what the progression of disease very well might be, um, because you might need to treat for respiratory failure or coagulopathies. And that really does change the treatment plan, mm -hmm. um, depending on what you're seeing. So if you're noticing that patients bruise very easily after your morning blood draws, or if you're checking glucose and they're bruising or they're bleeding and not stopping, um, really just know the progression of disease. And then outpatient care though. So even though they're being treated, oh, also I didn't say this, but typically they stop shedding the bacteria after 48 hours of antibiotics. So yeah, that's like the quick, safe realm. Nice. Yeah, that's, a, it, it is a very, it can be a deadly thing, but it's easy to treat. But yeah, the nice thing can, is like Lipto's not it's not really a hardy bacteria. Like yes. it's not one of those that it's like, ah, it's, there's only like this horrible thing that can kill me. No, it's, it's no like normal cleaning of the patient's cage is fine. Yeah. Normal cleaning with a little bit of bleach and laundry detergent on the laundry is fine. Mm -hmm. Um, spraying down the lawn where they urine, where they urinate is fine. Um, not spraying with just water, obviously like find some chemical. I mean, people, I, I pour bleach in the yard and stuff like that. So it's like, yeah. um, but outpatient care, because these guys can continue to shed after infection, um, should be sent home with at least two week course of doxycycline just to remove that bacteria from the tissues and prevent renal shedding. Yeah. And I think we do a longer than two weeks just to be on the safe side. Yeah. That's what we usually do a month, but I, said I was going to say, I thought at least thought a two we did week. four weeks. <laughs> yeah. It says at least two weeks. Yeah. Because I think they're anticipating like maybe they're in the hospital for one week. And yeah, so I guess. Yeah. Anyway, technician skills. I'm just going to touch on it because we talked about it just briefly, but nursing care is a really big part for these guys. Um, and, and that's all I'm going to say, because we've already hit all the soapboxes. <laughs> <laughs> all the soapboxes. Um, client communication though, I think it's really important to discuss the zoonotic mm -hmm. risk with clients, um, especially if they've already been exposed before the pet comes in, just encourage them to seek care with their primary care physician, especially if they're worried about it. Like that's not our job. Like just, just recommend, like I would call your doctor. This is what did I say? Um, I cannot advise you. Uh, you need to see, speak to your primary care because you have no idea what they're dealing with. So it's like, nope. No, but I know in my care. house. So like I brought Pua in here and like, I've cleaned up poo, poo. <laughs> I've cleaned up Pua's urine like several times. So it's like, if she were to become ill and I would be worried about lepto, I would just go seek care with my primary care physician. Just cause I'm like, I know that I've touched your urine. Right. Um, about 75 to 85% of treated patients do survive. Not a conversation for us though. That is a conversation to come from the vet. <laughs> um, because we can't prognose. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, but it's just good to know though, too, that when you're treating these patients that the, the, the likelihood of them going home is pretty high. Um, they can have longstanding dysfunction though, just depending on the severity of things. So labs should be monitored to assess progression or response and kind of depending on where they're at when they leave the hospital, like monitoring these patients can be every four to six weeks, every like twice a year. So mm. Um, it really, really depends on the patient. So one caution, if you're going to take anything away from this episode is don't get urine in your mouth. <laughs> um, okay, wait, you can't just say that and just like why? throw it out there why? because, because what, what do you... don't get infected urine in your mouth. <laughs> okay. The reason Jordan is saying this is because that's how she got exposed to lepto. I didn't get urine in my mouth. 
It was close to your mouth. Oh, didn't you get a I, splash in your face? No, no. I just, I was just handling it. Oh. I couldn't remember if I had worn gloves when I was handling. Like so. Okay, so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Here we go. Wait, hold on. No, no, no. The story is for a, a little bit later because that's part All of the right. question of the week. Fine. So, <laughs> but I mean, that is something that, and, and I know it sounds gross, like don't get it in your mouth, but I mean, that really is an important thing. Like, you know, often like dogs Asian, are flailing and it just yeah, like, they just they, splash you with it. tail flinks up and then you get it on your face. Like don't get it in your mouth. Don't get it in your eyes. Um, easier said than done this is where like true proper ppe would mean that we are wearing gowns and one of those face shields like i mean realistically that's probably how it should be now realistically is that how it is no not at all you know how often i get splattered in the face with urine like it it's Mm. really surprising that more of us don't get lepto (laughs) or we're just asymptomatic carriers it's fine (laughs) this is true this is true just like once a year just I'm not advising this. I'm doxy doses. Yeah, exactly. I'm not advising specifically, but along with my panic doses. Good dosing or good information from us. No, no, no. Don't but do along it. with my like general deworming that I'm gonna do to myself once a year, I'm just going to doxy along with it. I mean, if it's not lepto, it's probably some of the other diseases we're gonna talk about in the next couple episodes. So yeah, why not? It's the tip of the week. Tip of the week this week told you we would talk about it if you're registered for acvam there is a lecture on felines and leptospirosis yes and i think when i looked last because this is the end of june uh you can technically still register for acvam forum um for Mm -hmm. their on-demand lectures so if you want some really good internal medicine lectures you can still register for the on-demand i think i think they said that it would go for another couple of months i I think it's up for three months or something like that Yeah. yeah Um, so that's if, if you want for the lepto lecture, as well as Jordan's lectures, just saying, she also yeah. did some lectures at ACM. Shameless plugging. <laughs> it's not like you're getting paid for like every person that goes and sees your lecture. No, so it's not, not that shameless of a plug. <laughs> that's true. I want to, I want to listen to the lecture on cats with leptospirosis, um, just because I'm very obviously like passionate about rubbing it in my dog. Well, so as soon as I saw it on the like schedule or whatever, I was like, Dr. Woods. And he's like, what? I was like, you need to come here right now. <laughs> and like, Which is crazy because I've definitely had that conversation with my um, doctor and I'm like, why don't we test for lepto? And she's like, cats don't get lepto. And I was yeah, like, that's what really? he says too. And I was like, there's no way that they don't get lepto. I'm like, it's a bacteria. How does it just like go, Oh, your cat not going there. Yeah, exactly. Like it's going to affect sea lions, but it's not going to affect cats. Like what? (laughs) I don't understand. Sea lions who live in saltwater. This is what I don't understand about the whole sea lion thing. Oh, because sea lions. Okay. It's random. Um, So there's uh, sea lions here in California because some of them also uh, are in the freshwater like tributaries. Um, they, they swim in there and that's honestly, that's where there's a huge, there was a huge outbreak of that and toxo in, in some of these sea lions, um, just a couple of years ago, actually from the water, the river water going into the bay. It's pretty crazy. Oh. Okay. Well, I guess that does make more yeah. sense, but mm-hmm. anyway, so there sea lions. <laughs> and now for the question of the week, have you ever been exposed to lepto and needed to be tested? So this is my story. I didn't get lepto on, <laughs> on so my this face. this is my story. <laughs> yes. So I was tested, 
but I did have to explain to my do- human doctor like what leptospirosis was and like how you test for it because she's like, oh. yeah, it was one of those things where I was so okay. So how it happened was a primary care vet sent over a bunch of urine because I guess we were sending out the test, but but they had it was like a- it was probably the pre-treatment sample. Yeah, it was, but it was like in a ton of like little tiny vials, like in a ton of them. And so I was pouring them all into Mm. one larger sample and I'm pretty sure I was wearing gloves, but at the time that it came back positive, it had been like two weeks later and I couldn't remember if I was wearing gloves. You're like, like, yeah, I was like, I'm pretty sure I did because there were so many like samples, but at the same time, like, I don't know. Would I I guarantee my life on that? No. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I don't know if I got it on my arm. I don't know if it's splattered anywhere else. Like, I don't know if I had to cut. And so it was one, but it was, it was a very just weird situation where it was like, we weren't treating the patient. I didn't know who the patient was. I didn't know what the differential list was. I was just told to put urine in this container. And like, mm. that was it basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, and so, yeah, I went to the doctor just for safety. Um, and then I had to explain to them what leptospirosis was, how they should test me for it, which they did a serology test. So they drew my blood. Um, even though I told them that urine was usually better to tell if I was actually infected. Um, but they still drew my blood anyway. <laughs> and then, yeah. um, long story short, I tested negative for it and I clearly still feel fine other than my lupus, which I do frequently think that maybe might have something to do with it, but I don't know. I'm all no, right. Cause... What if no. I'm just a carrier, but I feel like with my lupus, I'd probably be dead really sick. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, no, I mean, I've definitely had lepto positive patients in our clinic, but, um, I don't think I ever handled anything scary. Um, and I haven't been tested for it, <laughs> which means I probably should be tested for it, but you'll probably just go get tested for everything because we're all, I am text, right? So who's not going to go get tested for all these diseases <sighs> after we talk about all these infectious diseases. See, I, I head in the sand. I, this, this is when I go, Nope, I don't want to know because I'm sure I have something. Well, My which is funny says, because I look definitely for something if you don't want to find anything. Exactly. We say this all the time. Um, no. And I mean, I've already had an infectious disease, so it's just a matter of like when the next one is going to pop up. So fair. Yeah. All right. Yeah. This is a very long episode, but I think we talked a lot of the <laughs> beginning, so I think we do need to wrap it up. Yes. Um, but yes, let us know if you've ever been exposed, if you needed to be tested, if your human doctors knew what it was, um, mm. just because I'm curious. But anyway, I hope everybody enjoyed my wound upness of this episode <laughs> and how passionate This episode, I am. 100% more Jordan talking than the last one. <laughs> definitely definitely this also not you know 10 o'clock at night for you so yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) this episode is brought to you by jordan's neurotic brain um but we love your neurotic brain we use it pretty fun sometimes (laughs) (laughs) like i can be pretty entertaining that's why i like you (laughs) yeah exactly i mean that's not like the only reason i like you but (laughs) Oh God. Anyways. All right, guys. <laughs> Have a wonderful week. Keep getting your learn on and, uh, hopefully you don't get exposed to lepto and, uh, we'll talk to you next week for another exciting round of infectious diseases. <laughs> I'll try not to be as wound up. Right. All right, guys. Have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you later. Bye.
Bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Internal Medicine for Vet Techs podcast. If you like what you heard, we'd love for you to share with someone you think might enjoy the podcast and make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Want to give us a boost? Please leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcatcher and we'll be sure to say thank you. Find out everything about us at internalmedicineforvettechs.com. Talk to you next week. Bye.